this computer. And three, two, one. Welcome to a brand new podcast. It is Friday night. It is Friday night. We're recording on Friday night. I have a glass of bourbon in hand, Mike. And I have seltzer, LaCroix. Yeah, Mike doesn't drink. It's it's not fun. Um, which is weird because Mike's Italian, so he should drink. I'm Italian, I'm Irish, and I'm Catholic, but no drinking. What's wrong with you? And we have Glenn Youngkin. Glenn hey, Youngkin. guys. Glenn Youngkin. Glenn, before we get started, I have to say, this is going to be the title of the podcast. I told Matt, when you jumped in, feel free to use this. This gem, Virginia, runs on Youngkin. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's this- good. And you know why that is so good? Is because when I was in high school, they called me Duncan Youngkin. There you go. Oh, you play no. basketball. It it's almost. It's almost perfect. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't call you Duncan Yunkin. That's he you played basketball. Gonna, it makes sense. Gonna, hey, Matt, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you an article, pal. Okay, you send it to me. All right, and we have Glenn Yunkin. Glenn Yunkin is the former CEO of the Carlyle Group, which is the largest private equity firm in the world, based out of Washington D.C. He is from the Richmond and Virginia Beach area, and he woke up one day and said, "I want to get involved in Virginia Republican politics." I don't know what got into his brain. Um, <laughs> you have to be a you have to be a little crazy to hop into Virginia Republican politics. I, I just everybody i i don't know like tell us let's start there what what made you you know you're in this great job you're you're all you're doing business all over the world you're you're doing this big stuff and then you just wake up one day and you're like i want to run you're you're doing exactly what we've we know so many people in politics and i'm like well why doesn't so-and-so come back or so-and-so come back and that's like because they're making too much money but you didn't make that decision no and and i i i Got into this because I love Virginia and eight years of Democrat leadership in Richmond has driven Virginia into the ditch. And I just stood up at my desk one day and said enough. And I had a moment where I said, I can either stand on the sidelines and complain or I can get into the arena. And so that's why I'm doing this is because I'm so tired of watching Virginia actually plays second fiddle to North Carolina and Tennessee and South and South Carolina and Maryland. I'm tired of seeing our constitutional rights and our God-given rights trampled on. And I had a choice. Am I going to sit and complain or am I going to get in there and do something about it? And so that's why I'm doing this. We can, we can rebuild and reimagine a new day in Virginia like nobody has ever seen, like nobody has ever seen, because we know Virginia should be. The best place in America to live, to work, to raise a family. I'm going to say that again. We all know this because we live here. Virginia should be the best place in America to live, work, and raise a family. And sadly, and and unacceptably for Virginians, it's not. So that's why I'm in this, guys. That's why I'm in this. And if I could just take a second. Sure. Because... I, I was I was born in Richmond. I, I was born in Bonaire, which a lot of folks might call the other side of the river. That's where I used to and, live when I yeah. lived in Richmond. That and 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 then when I when I was in in uh, third grade, my my folks lived, moved out to Midlothian. I went to Watkins Elementary School. I went to Robius Junior High School. And when I was in seventh grade, my dad lost his job. And listen, <laughs> lots of families have challenges. We got turned upside down a little bit. And my mom picked us up. We moved down to Virginia Beach. And that's where I ended up going to Lynn Haven Junior High School. And yeah, I was pretty good at putting a round ball through an orange hoop. And I had a chance to actually go to Norfolk Academy, which changed my life. And it was just an opportunity that I look back, I can't imagine it. Um, 
And then I got a chance to play college basketball, which, which was just extraordinary. Got an education that I would have never been able to get otherwise. And then after working for a while, I, I, uh, I went to grad school and we came back to Virginia, came back to our home where I've been in Northern Virginia for the last 27 years almost. So I've been doing the same thing that everybody's been doing, going to work. <laughs> I've been raising four kids with my lovely wife, Suzanne. When you guys get a chance to meet Suzanne, you're going to say, boy, Glenn, you married up, buddy. <laughs> and, uh, and, and working hard in our church, which we built uh, over the course of the last 10 years, coaching a lot of youth basketball. And, and I just, as I said, this, this summer, I, 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 I had a 30-year business career, which was the, one of the greatest, uh, greatest uh, joys of my life. I worked my tail off. I got a chance to run a firm that I joined when it was really small and grew and became one of the real leaders in what we do. But I go back. I stood up one day and said, enough enough. Am I going to stand on the sidelines or am I going to get into this arena? And I'm in, I'm running for governor and I plan on winning and I plan on getting Virginia back where she belongs as the best state in America to live, work and raise a family. Well, so Glenn, what position I, did you play in oh, basketball? Let's ask that question. Well, so Matt, in, in, in high school, I kind of played most of them. <laughs> and in college, I played bench warmer. Oh, now, come on. Glenn, now, how, tall, the, how tall are you? I, I am just, I'm six, six, uh, okay. maybe a little under six, hand. six, which, you know, with, with boots on, I'm six, six plus. Um, and I, somebody said the other day, they said, Glenn, are, you know, just how big are you? And I said, well, a little bigger than the average bear. I'm, I, I'm six, six and about 240 pounds. And, and, uh, you know the what? The biggest governor in Virginia history. I'd be the big, I'm going to, I'm going to be the biggest governor in Virginia's history. <laughs> there you go. Glenn, we, look, we'll, you're diving in. Um, and you just said Virginia should be the number one place to raise a family, to live, to work. I live in your neck of the woods. I live in Northern Virginia. Um, my wife is expecting. Um, Hooray, congratulations, Mike. Thank you so much. So our, our, um, our son's going to be born in Virginia. But here's the, the stark reality. Um, and I'm sure you know this. Virginia right now, according to some surveys, is now the 13th most expensive state in the nation. Child care is through the roof. More people are leaving. I'm yeah. a teacher, and more people are going across the Potomac to Maryland for better pay. How do we stop the bleeding? It's kind of a loaded question. How do we stop the bleeding and make it so my wife and I don't have to move, you know, to uh, a lot of people are moving to West Virginia and commuting. A lot of people are moving to North Carolina. North Carolina, how, Tennessee. Tennessee. How do we stay put? I know. Well, this is at the heart of the challenges that the Commonwealth is facing. So as I said, we, first we've got an economy that in fact, it actually has been somewhat stagnant even before, even before the pandemic. And this is one of the untruths that our democratic leadership been telling us that Virginia's is just, you know, top state to do business in and da, 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 da. You know, let's just compare it to our, our neighbors, right? Virginia has been growing at a little over 1% for the last eight years. And I'm gonna say that again, economic growth of 1%. We've had Tennessee growing at nearly three times that rate. We have North Carolina that's been growing at nearly two times that rate. We've had Maryland growing at 25% higher than their rate for over eight years. And what that means is job creation, job creation, job creation has underperformed our peers. Simultaneously, the cost of living in Virginia continues to go through the roof. And, and this, is, this is like, I mean, this is economics 101, folks. You got... You got no revenue when you got growing expenses and eventually the bank comes a call and says, you guys are in trouble. And what they're going to have to do is raise taxes on us. 
So first thing we got to do is we have to get the economy moving and job growth moving. And the second thing we got to do is get the cost of living down. And the cost of living is really driven by taxes, fees, and the expenses that we all incur to live here. Let me just give you three examples, all right? Number one, taxes. So at the end of the day, by the way, last uh, yesterday, I signed the Taxpayer Protection Pledge. I'm the, I, I'm the first guy running for this office to sign that. And I'm telling you, as governor, anybody who tries to raise taxes, it's gonna be veto. We're gonna do better than that. We're actually gonna get this economy moving at such a rate with job creation at such a rate that we're gonna work like crazy to get our taxes down. This is, this is, these are, this is Virginians money. And what we've seen from our, our, what we've seen from our leadership in Richmond is just the continued exp, you know, exponential uh, increase in budgets over four years and eight years. And, and listen, I'm a business guy. And the first thing I can tell you about being a 30 year business guy is there's a lot of stuff in budgets that doesn't need to be spent. We need to make this much more efficient. Smaller government's better than bigger government. We all know that, but you actually have to have an intention of, looking at inefficiencies and driving out cost and waste. And that's what we can do. Second thing we have to do is all of the, all of the fees that Virginia generates from all the things we do, licensing fees for businesses, fees on your car, the fees are outrageous. So let's just have a hard look at what it actually costs people to live in Virginia and how much of it is being paid to the government. And the third bucket, I'm going to take an example of healthcare. So, Healthcare in Virginia is generally more expensive than it ought to be. And that is borne by companies and by all of us. And the reason it's more expensive is because practical things like allowing small businesses to come together and form groups to buy insurance so they can buy it at a lower cost and have better insurance for people, it was vetoed by the governor. Now, I'm going to say that again. There was a really smart bill that was put together by by Senator Donovan, and they actually pushed this bill through, and it got passed by both houses, and it was going to allow small businesses and to associate and come together so they can buy insurance cheaper and pass on that cost, keep drug prices down, keep premiums down, and he vetoed it. I mean, Governor Northam vetoed it. So that's just one example. So you're spot on, Mike. One of the things we have to do is we have to get maniacally focused on getting the cost of living increases controlled. Now, this has two knock-on effects for us. You ready? The first knock-on effects is Virginians just can't afford to live here and they're moving. That's number one. And that is an absolute disaster. And our population, in fact, is starting to shrink. Now, I'm going to say that again. I, I happen to be in Virginia Beach tonight. And I've been working all day all over Hampton Roads, listening to problems all over Hampton Roads. One of the challenges is Hampton Roads and Virginia Beach are starting to shrink from a population standpoint because there's no jobs here and people can't afford to live here. So they're moving. That's big problem number one. Second big problem is when you have a high cost of living like we do, um, businesses choose not to come here. They want to go places where their employees can afford to buy houses yep. and live a life that, in fact, they deserve to have a chance to live as opposed to paying all their money over to their state government and can't afford to live. And so that inhibits our ability to attract businesses here. So wait a minute, our cost of living is at the heart of our, one of our biggest problems. And we have got to get on this fast. Well, I think one of the things that has come out this week is that, you know, all of a sudden Governor Northam thinks that we can go back to school, but Fairfax County has got, I mean, 
for lack of a better word, the, the Fairfax County plan to bring kids back to school was nonsense. Nonsense. Yeah. It, well, well, and, and Matt, as a teacher, and Glenn, I'm, I'm a teacher. This is our podcast is kind of our, our side hustle. As a teacher, look, I can tell you firsthand, um, teachers want to go back. They do. Um, and I feel like there is a misconception where teachers are being accused of being lazy or not yeah. wanting to go back into the classroom. And we want to go back. And look, I was in there for three weeks. Uh, I teach in loud. So we settled on a hybrid model where it was like one day distance, which is fine because it allows teachers to also plan. And we have a ton of meetings and whatnot. Um, and the rest in person. Now, I my experience was I felt safe. And the kids were all fine. Everyone was wearing masks. But you go inside the teacher's lounge and the masks are off. Yeah. And everyone's kind of forgetting what's going on. And then I get an email saying all the COVID outbreaks in my school. So we can kind of do this. But at the same time, yeah. like, and, and I'd like to hear your perspective on this. Republicans, I think, need to do better of saying, look, it's not, this isn't the teachers that's holding this up. No. You know, the union no. bosses are not us. No, I totally agree. So, Mike, thanks, thanks for pointing that out. I think teachers, teachers have been one of the many, many heroes during this awful pandemic. They really have. And uh, at least my experience with teachers is they want to teach. They want to teach. They want to help kids learn. Um, and what we saw the, in the past two weeks was, in fact, it's the school boards and the teachers unions that are causing the problems. And so Brandon Michon stood up at that Loudoun County school, yeah. school board meeting and he actually, he took everybody to task. He didn't, he didn't ask them to do anything other than do your job, raise the bar. So I was with Brandon the other day, he's become a friend. And we were talking about what that meant for kids all over the country, not just in Loudoun County. And if you, and if you saw the pictures of that school board meeting when they all had the green t-shirts on and that school board meeting voted eight to one to go to a hybrid at least, cause they weren't gonna do that before yeah. that meeting. <clears throat> what, that what that tells us is, that as parents, as families, we, we literally just need to stand up and make our voices heard. And what's happened, of course, now because of Brandon Michon and because of lots of other people who stood up, all of a sudden this topic has moved from being Republican Democrats yeah. to something it's about Virginians. And this happens over and over and over again when people actually step back and say, well, wait a minute, I've been told by the left that this is a Republican Democrat issue, but the reality is this is a Virginia kids issue and yeah. teachers do want to teach. And oh, by the way, the last thing I'll say on this, Mike, is sure. I cannot believe that we can't get the vaccine out so that teachers who want the vaccine, that who would like to get back <laughs> in the classroom, can't get the vaccine. But and the there kids, is a line out the, the, the buildings door. that have been designated for shots. And that, look, people that want to go to a state-run, uh, you know, healthcare system is insane because no. this is no. what happens. And then West Virginia, people, we're talking about cost of living. Big Jim, big lot, Jim, big Jim is doing it. A lot of people that I work with live in West Virginia. They got it done already. Well, I, I will tell you today. I was at meetings today all through Virginia Beach and Norfolk. And by the way, these are great people down here who are staunch reporters, uh, supporters of Republicans. They're conservatives and they want to win back the governor's mansion. And I'm telling you, we've had a great day down here with folks getting fired up. But you know what they're doing? You know where they're going to get their vaccine? North Carolina. 
And, yeah. and I actually, you know, I said to them, well, I hope the highway wasn't too crowded because there's a lot of people moving down there and businesses moving down there yeah. too. And this is our problem. And I'm going to, Mike, I'm sorry, but I got to say it again. Yeah. If we keep electing people who did never run anything in their life yeah. to actually, to actually lead and, 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 and operate and execute on behalf of all Virginians, our, our state government, we're going to continue to be wildly disappointed. The economy's not going to grow. We're going to have bad execution. We're going to have vaccine issues and the schools aren't going to be open. We're going to be nearly dead last in getting unemployment benefits out to people who have suffered the indignity of losing their job and actually have to file for unemployment. The DMV is a mess. Why, why in the world <laughs> do we start on the DMV? Stuff? I'll start swearing. And then on top of all of this, Northam is like, well, we should extend school to July 1st without any extra pay, new contracts, details, anything. I agree. I agree. Well, the greatest thing that's the greatest thing that I've seen happen is again, and again, it's it's uh, a whole bunch of a whole bunch of Republican leaders in, in our in our state Senate have pushed this bill and it's now gotten motion, which is no funding if you're not open. And and oh, by the way, guess who's going to wake up all of a sudden? They're going to get themselves open because now we're talking to talk the language of funding. And this was a this was brilliant. And this has got a few Democrats supporting it enough to get this thing through. I just worry that I just worry that Governor Northam's going to veto it again. But we have to get the schools open. Well, and and a key part is the Democrats are talking about, and Governor Northam has talked about this, um, the issue of equity. And I talk about you know some people that may not you know that aren't in school may have an immediate reaction to be like, well, what does that mean? Is that liberal indoctrination? What have you? But it's not. There is a problem. There is a racial and socioeconomic gap in our education system. That's yeah, that should be nonpartisan. That is a fact. And what we are doing is, as a party, we have to be the party that talks about it uh, and and is about it, not just talks about it like the Democrats. Um, so there's nothing more inequitable than not having children back in school. I totally agree. I totally agree. Who are we hurting the most? Yeah. The, the, un- unfortunately, the, the Virginians that are suffering the most out of this are those that really are, 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 are most impacted by it. And this is a problem, Mike, that we've seen before. So this past year, where 1.4 million Virginians had to file for unemployment because of the economic disruptions of this awful pandemic. And the vast majority of the folks that had to file for unemployment, unfortunately, were those that didn't have a lot of options, didn't have a lot of options. And this is why we have to have we have to have skill retraining. We have to have opportunities for people to find careers that they can actually get a career path in and promoted. And and what we've forgotten is the fact that Virginians don't want handouts. Virginians don't want to stay at home. Virginians don't want government actually imposing on their lives. What they want is they want to be in school. They want their children to get a great education, not no education. They actually want good jobs that pay them enough to live, have a career. They actually want jobs that allow them to take care of their family. And there's no reason why, oh, by the way, schools can't be open. We can't use school choice and charter schools to give people options so that they can find a better education, that we have, re- we have retraining programs. My wife and I started one last summer and it was funded by the private sector. It was companies plus individuals who put money in to provide retraining support for people to find in-demand jobs. And there's over 2,000 people going through that program today, 2,000 Virginians finding a new career. 
wasn't a government program. It was actually businesses and individuals coming together with the community colleges to help people find hope. So this is why I'm running for governor. I, ju- I think that we've forgotten some of our basic principles as Virginians, which is small business is better than big business. The key to lifting people out of dire circumstances is actually a growing economy and a job market that's on fire. And, uh, and that creates opportunity and opportunity creates hope. The key is to make sure that we're protecting our constitutional rights and our God-given rights, not letting them get trampled on. And oh, by the way, these rights are shared by all Americans. You know, Every American wants to be protected under their First Amendment and Second Amendment and 10th Amendment. Ah, yeah. This is what we live for. And these are not, again, Republican versus Democrat. These are shared values by Americans. And you know, we need, we need schools that work. We need, a health, we, need, we need healthcare that in fact is accessible and less expensive. We need law enforcement that's well-funded, not defunded. We, this, Mike and Matt, this is not hard, but this just takes will. And that's why I sit there and I look at folks who are running for governor and I say, you know what folks, some of you, some of you, wanted, some of you just want the job. I wanna do the job. I wanna do the job for Virginia. I want to work my tail off every day to make Virginia's government work for Virginians, not the other way around, not the other way around, not big government imposing things on Virginians, but to actually create Virginia, to to create an environment in Virginia, as I said, where, where, where people have a chance to live the life that they were actually blessed to have a chance to live and that we all stand around and, and, and Mike, you actually don't say I can't afford to live here and therefore I'm going to have to move. Yeah. You just say to everybody you know, Virginia is the greatest state in America to live, work, and raise a family. And that's what we should do. Not aspire for, but that's what we should do. And that's why I'm running for governor. Well, so Mike always asks an education question because that's his wheelhouse. And my wheelhouse is Southwest Virginia. So I'll ask a Southwest Virginia question. Um, You know, economic opportunity, economic development is great. We have a lot of that in y'all's neck of the woods in Northern Virginia. We have that in the Richmond area, but my end of the state has suffered and and there's no way to, there's no way to put it. Um, You know, we're losing population and the populations that's here is poorly educated because they can't get the resources to educate. Um, You know, our schools are crumbling. There's just, there's just no doubt about it. You know, the schools in Fairfax County are cathedrals compared to what we have in Southwest. Um, you know, I think, I think about the fact that we have, we have, you know, we've lost that base of manufacturing. We've lost the base and the Democrats were like, well, you can just build solar panels. Well, that requires, you have to educate those people. You can't just go from a coal mining job to a solar panel job. Like you have to learn something in between and, and. I want to hear your thoughts on what do you want to do for the parts of Virginia that are not Nova, Richmond, and Virginia Beach? What do you want to do for Southside and Southwest Virginia and Shenandoah Valley? Yeah, yeah. Matt, thank you, thank you for asking that because because this this is at the heart of what being governor for all of Virginia means. It means that you're not governor for one part of Virginia; you're governor for all of Virginia. And you actually have to, you have to create economic opportunity and job opportunity and the opportunity to live the life that we are all destined and, 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 and blessed to live for all of Virginia. So here, here are the big challenges, right? So first of all, 
we actually have to we have to improve information exchange into Southwest Virginia and Southside Virginia first by getting broadband access there. Right, we got to create the opportunity for people to fully participate in education opportunities and learning opportunities. And this isn't that hard. Now, I know everybody gets you know, they get all upset. They say, "Well, we've got mountains, and you know, how do we get?" Folks, I mean, Elon Musk has just circled the globe with with satellites, and he just got eight hundred eighty-five million dollars from the FCC to provide broadband access to rural communities. And why in the world can't Virginia get on the bandwagon here and recognize that this isn't that hard and we can actually support the access to broadband from, from rural communities. And that's step number one. So let's get everybody, let's get everybody access and connected so that in fact, next, as folks want to uh, seek retraining. So in the, in the, in the Virginia ready initiative that we started, we actually work with community colleges all over Virginia. But if somebody in South, somebody in Southwest Virginia, actually wants to be a network technician, they should be able to take classes at Northern Virginia Community College mm -hmm. without having to go there. But the problem is they, 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 don't, they don't actually have, they don't have broadband access because of where they live or access to it in a way. And that's not right. That is not right because we should be able in this day and age to actually pipe into all the best education that we offer around Virginia and make it available to all Virginians. That's a big step. And we shouldn't Third be step, four different Virginians, you know? No, we're four no. different Virginias in one. It shouldn't be. It's it's one of these. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going I'm to digress for a minute, if you don't mind. Sure. One of the challenges that we've got is our infrastructure in Virginia has actually been selectively developed. And what that does is it it it, it forces duplication and regionalization from areas where we actually have experts. We, we have centers of expertise. So, listen, if you want to if you want to work in the marine industry, it's a pretty good place to go work in Hampton Roads. There's all kinds of jobs. And, but, if you're, but if you live in Southwest Virginia, how are you going to get trained with that without moving to the marine industry and getting a job to take you there? Well, you should actually be able to get trained remotely in the community college, the Tidewater Community College that Huntington Ingalls has a JV with and see how that, and, 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 and actually get your credential before you decide you want to move, right? This is, this is crazy. We got to run Virginia as if we are one community because we are. Well, yeah. and that's a big thing that you've done, and I applaud, is that we've screamed at people they need to go get a bachelor's degree for 20 years. Oh, I know, I know. And Meanwhile, in Silicon Valley, they're all high school dropouts. I know. <laughs> this, is, this, this, is, this is the big, this is, this is another one of those big untruths that 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 the left is trying to sell everybody that you know you can't have a future you can't have a great life until you go get a four-year degree and and the only way you're going to get a four-year degree is to borrow all this money and therefore the government should pay for the whole thing for you. i mean that is such an untruth i to tell you a quick story there's a, there's a young woman and i won't name her because i don't want to name her but 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 she, she actually worked she worked a, at the airport she lost her job at the airport during the pandemic and she actually wanted to be a, she wanted to get in the into the technology field she enrolls at Northern Virginia Community College. She enrolls at Virginia Ready, and she actually, she actually finishes her finishes her credential and gets a job. And she has a whole new career, right? She has a whole new career because she actually had the ambition and the and the hard work and ethic in order to go do this. But what we have done is we have not we have not opened this up to people all over Virginia, and we have to do this because you don't have to have a four year degree. You can have a fabulous career in life by earning a credential to community college or a two-year degree to community college or 
coming out of high school and going into an apprenticeship. So we should, we should develop work pipeline programs where people can move in to work right out of high school. They can do some school along the way and pick up their, pick up their degree along the way. Meanwhile, they're working. This is, this is done all over the country and this is done all over the world. And yet we have failed to do it in Virginia. And that puts us at a disadvantage. Tennessee has, Tennessee has actually rethought the way that they are providing opportunity, education and training to, to Tennesseans in such an innovative way. And that's why Tennessee is kind of kicking our butt right now, folks, is well, because we sit stagnant and everybody else innovates. Well, that's the thing. If you've been to Nashville in the past five years, you can't get around town because they're building skyscrapers. They're going up. Well, and, and Matt, Nashville is about to surpass. Uh, I read an article saying Nashville's expected to be the new like fashion capital of the U.S., surpassing like New York and L.A. because Nashville is so growing and it's such a dynamic community. And I'll, I'll say this, Glenn, with community college being accessible, I was lucky enough uh, to enroll in dual enrollment. And uh, my parents told me, I was like, hey, uh, I'd like to apply to this college, this college. Are you going to pay for it? My parents goes. Uh, well, our parents didn't pay for us. You're going to have to, if you want to go to college, you have to pay for it. So I got into dual enrollment and I graduated with more credits than the kids that did the governor's school and all these AP programs, graduated with more college credits. And then instead of everyone that was going off to university, I went to Piedmont Virginia Community College, finished out my associate's degree. And then I worked full time driving back and forth over the mountain of JMU. And I got my four year degree. Anybody can do that. However, I was able to do that. And some of the financial burden was able to be taken off myself if I had to fund it because of dual enrollment. And there's areas like where Matt is, it's very possible that those schools don't have access to a dual enrollment program, which is crazy. And in Tennessee, I believe it's now mandatory. Right. It is. Yeah. Matt, I, I don't want to miss a big part of the conversation we're having. Because there's been lots of promises made to Southwest Virginia over a long time. We've been lots promised the moon and the stars, and we've been promised lots of promises to make. And I guess, and I'm not, I'm not a politician, so I don't go around promising people a lot of stuff. But I'm going to tell you, when I'm your governor, I'm going to come work for Southwest Virginia like no governor has. We're, we're going to work hard to support the small businesses that are there. We're going to work hard to recruit new businesses that are there. We're going to work hard to create credentialing and training programs for people. We're gonna work hard to get access to broadband internet. We're gonna work hard to do for Southwest Virginia what Southwest Virginia deserves, which is to be part of Virginia. And therefore, going back, Matt, be the best place to live, work and raise a family. But that requires a governor who actually does the work. And I will tell you, I will do the work for Southwest Virginia. So let me ask, so we've talked about economic development. We've talked about a range of things. Are you concerned, you know, we look at what's coming out of Richmond, especially from a Second Amendment perspective. You know, I, I'm a yeah, gun owner. And, and it's, I mean, you know, they want to make us a felon for owning a semi-automatic pistol. I passed three background checks. Three. One, one for state, one for federal, and then got my concealed carry. I've paid hundreds of dollars to own this firearm and they want to make us do even more background checks and and so i, I want to hear what's your thoughts on the second amendment i mean truthfully so i i am a i am a staunch defender of the second amendment <laughs> i'm a gun owner 
I'm a little frustrated because I have two boys with birthdays close together and I was going to buy them both a gun and I can't because I can only buy one every 31 days. And, and the only way we're going to put a stop to this consistent erosion of our constitutional rights, Matt, we have to elect a Republican and get a Republican into the governor's office so that we can start vetoing this legislation or tell them don't even send it because I am not going to sign it. And until we as a state get a Republican into office, we are going to continue to see the gradual erosion of our constitutional rights and our God-given rights. And that's why I'm doing this, Matt. I can beat Terry McAuliffe. I can be Virginia's next governor. And I think the key to everything that we are frustrated by is that right now, the Republican Party for the last 11 years has continued to do the same thing, which is to not win, to not win, and then to stand around and complain. And uh, right now, what we see happening in Richmond, it is literally like a, it's like a conveyor belt manufacturing line right now. They write legislation on one side of the house, it blows through and gets signed on the other, and then the governor signs it. And it's everything from trying to change the way that our electoral college votes are allocated to actually change the way that the PPP loan is taxed to do away with can right we, to work. I mean, this is, this is can fundamental we, stuff for us. Can we, can we address that issue? I, I want to, I want to talk about that for just a second um, because I work, my day job is in financial services and, and they want to tax PPP loans. I know. Glenn, I know. what I know. common sense. Does it make, does that, that doesn't make common sense. No, I'm doesn't. sorry to get excited, but it, it just it doesn't, doesn't, you know. So it looks like when you're going to have your plate full. <laughs> I'm going to have my plate full because of what I'm going to inherit. And I'm going to inherit a mess. But I will, I will dedicate the next four years to giving 200% of everything I have as your governor to putting it right and putting Virginia on the right path. I, I will go back to something I said a little while ago, Mike, which is, which is I want to do the job of governor. Mm -hmm. Being governor is something that other people would like to be because it's a stepping stone because they want to do other things and they're not going to pay any attention to Virginia. I've never run for an office before. I don't owe anybody anything. We have got the team and the resources to go win this thing. And I want to do the job of governor working for Virginians. And so when things like this crazy PPP loan where they want to call it income and tax people on it, come across my desk, it is going to get vetoed. And when crazy stuff comes across my desk where they're trying to raise any taxes, I just signed a pledge, I'm going to veto it. And we cannot put a stop to this until we win a statewide election. So I hate to be a broken record on this, but folks, we must win. I can win. I'd love to get everybody's support in, during this convention process. Be a Glenn Youngkin delegate. My website is youngkinforgovernor.com. That's youngkinforgovernor.com. And guys, I can win this. We can take back the seat in the governor, for the governor as a Republican, and we can get Virginia back where she belongs as the best state in America. So we've got yeah. to... Go ahead, Matt. I think that's great. Um, so we've got to ask some fun questions, obviously. Okay. So you played NCAA basketball. Um, you uh, did you ever get to play like one of the bigger, you know, teams in NCAA basketball, or you know, so do you have a fun memory from back then, or? Well, I, I do. So when when I played at Rice, we were in the Southwest Conference, 
And if everybody remembers the Southwest Conference, it had Phi Slamma Jamma. It had the University of Texas. It had Arkansas. We had Texas A&M. We had SMU. I mean, this was an unbelievable basketball conference. And Rice, we were at the, kind, of the, kind of the bottom of the barrel most years. But that was the most amazing conference to play basketball in, to get a chance to play those folks. But one year, we played against Georgetown. Georgetown was, was, was ranked in, in top five in the country. But, oh, by the way, that same year, Arkansas was number one. We played them twice, et cetera. But we came up and we played against Georgetown. And the ball was going out of bounds. And I dove for the ball out of bounds. And I landed in John Thompson's lap. Now, you, I'm big No, guy. you did not. Don't tell that story. I did. I'm a big guy. And he licked over and he picked me up by my shoulders like I was a rag doll. Put me back <laughs> on my feet, gave me a slap, and said, get back out there, son. And I will never forget that. He was, that was, he was the most imposing individual I'd ever met in my life. And by the way, they beat the tar out of us too. So you got to, you got to play at Georgetown. Man, that's cool. The old John Thompson days. Um, that is cool. So you, what do you, so we're still trying to get to know you. Do you still get to watch a lot of college sports? Or are you, are you into that? Or what do you, what do you do for fun, Glenn? I mean, obviously besides running for governor 90 hours a week, what? <laughs> Um, well, well, right, right now I'm having fun running for governor 90 hours a week and it's actually more than 90 hours a week. You know, this is, this is kind of a 15 to 20 hour a day job. It goes seven days a week and I am so excited to be doing it. I, guys, I am so fired up to do this. I am so fired up. So I am working my tail off. My family is incredibly important to me. As I said, my, my, my wife, Suzanne is the, is literally the love of my life. Uh, God knew what he was doing when, when, when he connected me to her and our four kids are just fabulous. And so anytime I can to spend time with my kids. Now, the fun thing is that my boys love to play basketball. We play a lot of two on two, my boy, my, particularly my son, Thomas, who's at home right now, because others are off at school. He loves to go to the bull run shooting range and, and uh, do the, do the uh, sporting clay course there. Um, that's one of the things we love to do. We just got, we just, we just got uh, bows because we really are taking up bow hunting. We think that's huge fun. Um, I love the outdoors. Uh, I'm very much an outdoors guy. Um, and then, you know, finally, I don't know about all of you, but just having quiet time to talk to my wife is pretty special. Um, sure. she's amazing. And she's one of those folks who kind of looks into me and, and just has a way of just making me understand what's most important in life. So well, those are the things I love to do. And I got to tell you what a blessing it is to, to have a chance to do it. Well, so it's, it's, we're getting towards the end here and uh, Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday. Um, do you have a pick? Yeah. Who, any prediction? You got, yeah. You got- I, so, so um, I, I hate to admit it, but, I'm just amazed to see what Tom Brady is doing oh, and I'm no. kind of pulling for the old guy. Yeah. I know. I hate to say it. I love, by the way, I, I thought love he was crazy I for going to Tampa Bay, about him. but no, yeah. can you imagine? But by the way, if you're, if you are the, if you're the general manager of Tampa Bay Buccaneers and everybody last year said, Oh, what's he doing? He's going to get Tom Brady. I mean, you are walking on water in Tampa Bay right now. Can and you Gronk, this, this Gronk back followed there him. in the Super Bowl, and there's Tom Brady. Yeah, and Gronk followed him. Um, so I, 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 I'm, I'm a little indifferent, but I will tell you, I have a pretty soft spot in my heart for, for, for uh, uh, you know, a guy of Tom Brady's age who can do what he can do in the NFL. Well, and so 
Have you got a prediction? How are our Virginia schools going to do in the NCAA tournament this year? What are you What are you thinking about? You know, do you? Well, first thing, first thing, the greatest thing is that University of Virginia Cavaliers have been national champion for a long time, and that's spectacular. That really is fun. Um, I love college basketball. I love what's happening at VCU. Mike Rhodes is just a great coach at VCU. Shout out for the Rams. And I love his program. I love what's happening at Virginia Tech. They're rebuilding. I have to say, I, I love college sports. Um, I don't know what's going to happen this year in the NCAA tournament because there's a lot of teams that, you know, actually should be able to do, uh, should really be able to compete that haven't been playing so well right now. So I think it's going to be wide open. And I just look forward to it. It's one of my favorite times of the year. I love March Madness. And uh, we're going to be on the campaign trail hard in March. And so I'm going to have to find a few moments to steal away and watch some ball games. Well, I will say this. And one of the things, we'll, we'll wrap this up here in just a second. But Tony Bennett, as, as a Virginia Tech guy, I love Virginia Tech, but Tony Bennett is an extreme man of faith. And, and that's – He is. And, and one of the things that floored me – you know, we had a conversation earlier this week and we talked about you coming down here and, and you said, well, I want to be in church with my family on Sunday. And I was kind of like, wait a minute, what? And I was like, I, I, I kind of had to read, I kind of had to think about that for just a second. You know, I feel like your faith drives you and, and even especially um, you're involved with the Museum of the Bible in D.C., which is very cool. Um, you yeah, know, it's cool. And so, I, I mean, if you want to finish out, just tell us a little bit about that. I mean, that's, that's got to be huge for your life. It is, it is. I, I, I didn't, I didn't grow up uh, in a, you know, a really faith filled household. And in my mid twenties, particularly when I met Suzanne, um, she, she brought me on the, on a path to really understand what um, having, having a real trust in Jesus Christ. And the fact that I know where I'm going to go because I believe in him. And then I can have a relationship with God through him simply by being me. And that was the most amazing. It was, it was, it was transformational in my life. Absolutely transformational. I'm still on this walk and I've been on this walk for, you know, you know, 26, 27 years. But what I find every day, and this is the way we, this is the way our campaign starts every morning. We have, we have, we have a team prayer every morning because we don't have all the answers. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen over the course of the day. Yeah. And I just find the best way is to stop and acknowledge that and thank just to, just to be thankful for the blessings, to ask for guidance, to, to keep us uh, focused on what he wants us to do, and then to bless our steps and watch over us over the course of the day. That's been amazing for me. I, I recently, and it made, me, it made me really sad, I stepped down from the board of Museum of the Bible, where I've been a board member for a number of years. And I think what, I think what the Green family has done to bring the Bible to everybody in the world through this amazing museum. And this is, this is not about trying to teach people to, to, to become Christians. This is about giving the world a chance to relate to this amazing book. And that's just outstanding to me. And so I loved my service there. When I started, when I started this gubernatorial run, I felt like it was probably best that I stepped off a lot of the charitable boards that I've been on. Um, so that I could devote 100% of my time to this. But uh, I, 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 I will, when I'm done being governor, go back and support the Museum of the Bible. But it'll be five years. I gotta, we got a race to run for nine years, and then I'm going to work for Virginians for four years, and then I'll, I'll go back and support the museum again. 
That's awesome. All so right. we we want to say thank you to Glenn Youngkin. Yes. He came on our podcast on a Friday night um, when, you know, he could be doing 25 other things. Uh, we just say thank <laughs> you. Great, guys. Yeah, thank you so much, Guys, this Glenn, is great. It's a pleasure. And um, thank you so much, guys. And and I can't wait. To, I can't wait to, to, to come to come down to Southwest, Matt, and be with you and and meet folks. This is and, and Mike, we got to get together. You're not you're not that far away. Yeah, no. What no. I am what I'm what I'm so encouraged by, guys, is is as I travel around Virginia and I meet people and I, I get it gives me a chance to listen to what's on their hearts. What I hear over and over and over again is we just want Virginia to be what Virginia should be. We have, and oh, by the way, we actually want a Republican governor and we want to put a stop to what's happening in Richmond and we want to move the state forward. And that's not a pocket of Republicans or a pocket of Virginia. I am hearing that everywhere. And that's what's so encouraging to me. So I can't wait to get a chance to sit down with both of you in person and listen to what's on your mind. You've listened to a lot of what's on my mind. I can't wait to listen to what's in your mind. And I just look for, I just look forward to our relationship going forward, guys. So thanks a ton. Absolutely. And come on anytime. You're always welcome. We are always welcome. Um, we, we've had um, three of the candidates for governor on our podcast. So we're um, trying to get everybody on, you know, cause uh, Kirk was on Pete's a friend of ours. Uh, we're trying to get everybody on even, we extended the, uh, the branch to even T-Mac. So <laughs> trying to get everybody on. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you, yeah, Glenn Youngkin. And, and 